I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. A widely used drug to treat diabetes may hold promise as a therapeutic for patients with maple syrup urine disease, a rare inherited metabolic disorder involving the dysfunction of an enzyme needed to break down three essential amino acids. The findings, which appear in a new study in Nature Scientific Reports, come from researchers at the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. We spoke to Arvin Ramanathan, senior author of the study and a member of the Buck faculty, about the findings, what it says about the ability to understand more common diseases through studying rare diseases, and how repurposing existing therapies holds promise for bringing new treatments to rare disease patients who are without them. Arvind, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're going to talk about maple syrup urine disease, your work in aging research, and, and how this led to a potential treatment for rare disease by repurposing a common diabetes drug. Let's begin with maple syrup urine disease. What is it? You know, maple syrup urine disease is a, uh, a pediatric disease that's uh, not very common. I mean, it's a rare disease. It's about 1 in 800,000 uh, births or so in the general population. But there are certain populations like among Mennonites and others where it can be as many as 1 in 10,000 or uh, even more prevalent than that. But what, I mean, actually this disease has been recognized since ancient times. I've read some uh, books on ancient history where ancient Greeks would uh, often have, uh, you know, they would recognize that the urine of certain children would smell like maple syrup. Uh, and I don't know what uh, exactly smell they called it, but uh, they recognized immediately that uh, kids would go into uh, shock and uh, it would result in the premature death. Uh, so it's been known for a while that uh, this uh, this disease did occur. It's only until like the 90s that we really understood the genetic basis for this disease. And what it is is that it's a caused by a mutation in a gene that inhibits the metabolism of a very uh, important amino acid. The, these class of amino acids are called branch-chain amino acids. Uh, they are central to life. They are essential amino acids. And if you cannot regulate their levels and metabolize them, then your body cannot perform basic functions in the brain and the skeletal muscle and other tissues. And this results in the accumulation of a biochemical intermediate that's metabolized in the liver that gives rise to this smell that uh, resembles maple syrup. Yeah, uh, I, I think of the MPS diseases or something like PKU. Mm -hmm. This is a metabolic disorder? It is a metabolic disorder. And like many of these, as you can imagine, uh, many of these metabolic disorders, your metabolism is like a highway, right? That you have some biochemical intermediates, there are downstream enzymes that make one building block after another, and it gives rise to uh, biochemical intermediates that their body needs. So like with PKU and other uh, metabolic disorders, there is a, let's say that is a traffic signal that is not working anymore, and there's a huge traffic jam. Uh, so very similar to those diseases, it causes the accumulation of toxic intermediates that need to be cleared in a certain way. And, and what happens when the body doesn't clear these these amino acids? 
That's a really good question. Um, because if you can imagine, there is a traffic jam, right? So there's this very important metabolite, uh, amino acid, leucine, isoleucine, valine, these branch chain amino acids. And they need to be metabolized. And the body, the reason the body metabolizes this is to give rise to certain uh, biochemical intermediates that the body needs to make from these amino acids. Some could feed into the energy production pathways in the mitochondria. They could produce certain very novel and interesting lipids that the body would need. So when you have this traffic jam and you're not able to break down your amino acids anymore, number one, you're not giving rise to the intermediates that your body needs from these amino acids. And number two, this traffic jam essentially means the accumulation of an intermediate that could not be metabolized anymore, which in this case is a whole bunch of keto acids that are derived from these amino acids. You accumulate these keto acids, I mean, just to give you a, a ballpark number, all of us are metabolizing these amino acids and you have maybe about tens of micromolar of these amino acids in your blood at all times. When you cannot metabolize this amino acid anymore and the intermediates accumulate, you're talking about millimolars, tens hundreds of times more than the normal uh, scenario. So when you accumulate these toxic intermediates, those toxic intermediates now go and do some bad things. And one of the things that we show in our publication is that uh, when you have these toxic levels of these intermediates, what they do is actually stop your mitochondria from uh, uh, processing these biochemical pathways that will produce energy. And, and mitochondria are the, the powerhouse of the cells? That is correct. And these toxic keto acid intermediates go and inhibit a very important enzyme in this powerhouse, uh, which causes a metabolic crisis and other uh, complications. So symptomatically, how does that manifest in a patient? So uh, uh, for as long as this disease has been studied, uh, one of the contributions of our paper is that not all tissues have been looked at to really understand what are the manifestations. But I would think the best studied uh, manifestation that's been studied is in the brain. And uh, some beautiful work from laboratories has been shown that um, the brain actually uses some of these keto acids to buffer the levels of glutamate. And as you know, glutamate is one of those signals that uh, uh, it really regulates neuronal signaling. And what they have found is that when you perturb the metabolism of amino acids and cause high accumulation of these keto acids, what you do is start inhibiting neuronal function, change brain histology, and you cause seizures, and so on. So that is clearly one of the things that we see in our mouse model, and we also see it in patients. Uh, but what we also show here is that these same keto acids also manifest their effects in other tissues. In our paper, we show in skeletal muscle. That skeletal muscle also needs to process these uh, amino acids to uh, cause, uh, you know, maintain their muscle mass and fiber size and so on. And we can see it has been shown in some patients and in our mice that if you perturb this and cause accumulation of these keto acids, you have a muscle atrophy and a problem with muscle function. Are, are there any treatments for the disease? Well, there is a small subset of peso. Essentially, why do you have this disease? You have this disease because you have a mutation in a gene that produces this enzyme, and this enzyme is required for breaking down amino acids. There are a small subset of mutations because of which... Um, no, the enzyme doesn't fold properly, doesn't function properly. So there's a small intervention called phenylbutyrate, where a very small subset of patients respond to phenylbutyrate, which I think uh, in some ways they call phenylbutyrate a molecular chaperone. It essentially helps the enzyme to fold back to a, uh, to a confirmation where it works. So there's 
there is uh, one company uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that's trying to develop phenylbutrate as a treatment uh, for a small subset of patients. Is that essentially a cofactor? Yeah, you could uh, you could call it a chaperone, if you will. Um, it's a, it's not a, the cofactor for the enzyme, but it seems to make the enzyme fold into a proper conformation where it now can bind to cofactors and metabolize what it has to do. Okay. But it's a small subset who seem to respond. Uh, mostly what people have studied is liver transplantation, uh, which, as you can imagine, is a fairly major thing to have to go through, especially as a kid. Uh, but uh, in that way, you would take uh, liver, trans- liver from a patient who had this enzyme working and transplant and so on. Except for those, I'm really not aware of any treatment. Although I, I take a diet is also used as a way to control. Yeah, that is one way to manage where because you cannot process these metabolites and uh, these amino acids anymore, you would manage your diet and regulate the intake of these amino acids. But that said, as I mentioned earlier, these are essential amino acids in that the body cannot make these amino acids on its own. And number two, it's uh, comp- these amino acids are a critically important component of a large number of proteins in the human body. So clearly, you cannot deprive your body of these amino acids, but you can regulate your diet in a way that you manage the crisis phase. And this would vary depending on how critical or how uh, uh, how badly the disease manifests. One of the one of the more surprising things about this study. For me, was that it came out of the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. How do you come to get involved with a rare disease that affects newborns who may only live a few weeks with the disease? That's a great question. You know, I think of aging very broadly. In the end, one of the major aspects of aging is biochemical, biological dysfunction, uh, metabolic dysfunction, we know is a critical part of aging. And the reason and why this is so relevant to aging, as you point out, is that this enzyme that we talk about, the ability to break down these amino acids, very interestingly, in case of these uh, these children, they are born acutely with this dysfunction. But it often seems like in diseases of aging, especially with when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to obesity, uh, and aging itself in basic my organisms, this enzyme's function is rapidly diminishing as you age. And this has been shown in mostly in this disease context. So we got very interested in, and it has also been shown that these branching amino acids, which are controlled by this enzyme, play a critical role in aging itself by controlling other uh, central aging-related pathways, which I will not go into right now. It's called mTOR and other uh, important pathways. So it seems like this biochemical these branching amino acids are really at the hub of controlling a lot of important biochemistry in your body. And dysfunction in this biochemistry can lead to aging-related diseases and maybe aging itself. And the fact that you have a, an acute dysfunction of this enzyme which relates in this low lifespan and uh, disease manifestations clearly has implications in this pediatric disease. But what we learn from this pediatric disease and how to treat it it clearly has uh, implications in how we might have deal with a more chronic, a long-term uh, dysfunction of this enzyme in aging. So not surprisingly, and very interestingly, the drug that we find uh, that ha- seems to help maple syrup urine disease is also one of those drugs that has been repeatedly shown to extend lifespan in, uh, in uh, mice and flies and worms, and now increasingly the result uh, studies being done in human patients. That drug is metformin, which is a, a commonly used diabetes drug. But what exactly did your study do? 
So what our study did was we tried to understand how this biochemical dysfunction in these patients manifests itself in cell culture and what kind of drug could we use to stop this biochemical dysfunction. So essentially what we did was we took patient lines that are available from this uh, repository called Coriel and we purchased every MSUD patient skin fibroblast we could find. And all of them, when you grow in tissue culture, uh, very much like they do in the body, cause a huge accumulation of this keto acid, this toxic keto acid. So we could see that we could take these patients. This is also very interesting to us that you could now start taking patient skin cells and manifest a certain aspect of the disease and culture. So that presents a real opportunity. Says, okay, now that it manifests this aspect of the disease and culture, can I screen for drugs that will inhibit the accumulation of this toxic intermediate? So, which is what we did. So, we took uh, hundreds of drugs, uh, commonly FDA-approved drugs, and we screened for which of these drugs would inhibit the accumulation of this toxic intermediate, which presumably is one of the mediators of the toxicity and the pathology of this disease. So, we, when we screened it, we, to our surprise, we found that the one that was most uh, effective in terms of inhibiting this toxic intermediate was... Uh, uh, this biguanidine anti-diabetic drug called metformin. So that really uh, rang a bell in our head saying, huh, so maybe you could use this drug to inhibit the accumulation of this toxic intermediate, and that, in fact, might have beneficial effects on aging-related or acute uh, pediatric diseases where this uh, enzyme dysfunction could be ameliorated in some way. And that has actually borne right. Uh, we didn't publish this in the paper, but that's hot off the press. It's coming soon is that now we have taken this uh, drug and treated it uh, in mice which have this disease. Uh, and we showed that it actually prolongs lifespan of these mice and they do a lot well and they recover uh, certain aspects of uh, their disease. In the rare disease community, there's often talk about how research into rare disease can elucidate more common health issues. I'm wondering your thoughts on what this research might say about that. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, like I mentioned, this enzyme that mutated the BCKDH, the branching amino acid keto dehydrogenase, keto acid dehydrogenase, uh, is an enzyme that, of course, mutated in uh, MSUD, and we need to go treat it and find drugs that help to alleviate this disease. But on the other hand, completely unrelated, there have been a number of genome-wide uh, mutation association studies that have been done in human populations to look for mutations that confer risk for different diseases. And the same enzyme has been shown in some studies to show, to confer risk for diseases like obesity and diabetes. And often people have seen in diabetic patients that the same enzyme that's inhibited in patients uh, of MSUD actually shows dysfunction and decreased function in those patients too, which are age-related diseases. So you're right. Uh, alleviating this Pediatric uh, disease like MSUD does give you clues on how you might deal with the same enzyme dysfunction in other common diseases like diabetes and obesity. The other thing that's increasingly talked about is the value of looking at repurposing as a, a strategy for finding drugs to treat rare diseases given the large number of diseases that are without therapeutics at this point. Is this a promising strategy for finding potential new therapies for rare disease? Do you, do you think it's viable? I do. I think this study shows, number one, that even in an, an, an unbiased fashion, you can take 
collections of known drugs that are FDA approved that have been shown to be uh, whose toxicity studies phase one, phase two, and so on might already be done. And if you can find an appropriate cell culture model where you can uh, mimic this disease, you can try to screen those pre-approved drugs to see if you can repurpose. And of course, I think, uh, I hope our work uh, now and in the future shows that you can try to complete the circuit. You can go from patient cells, look for drugs that could be repurposed. Then if you have appropriate animal models, then you can test it in those to see if it actually alleviates that in an in vivo setting. And that, I think, really presents now an opportunity to test this in the clinic. Now, you would have seen one of the major experts in this field who's really uh, highly regarded in MSUD and many other uh, diseases I won't go into is Jerry Walkley, who's one of the senior authors on this paper. Jerry has been really a force uh, in terms of advising us and telling, uh, letting us know how to work with these uh, cells and these mouse models. So he, I was encouraged that even talking to a clinician who sees these patients regularly, he thinks that a drug like metformin could readily be now tested in the future. Uh, which is what we're applying grants for, and which is the uh, purpose in the future, is how to repurpose and take this to the clinic fairly quickly. Well, how does this work move forward? Is there any indication that there are potentially clinical trials on the horizon for using metformin in maple syrup urine disease? That is a great question, which we're actually in the process of learning about moving forward. The way we are thinking about this is that the good news is metformin is highly uh, has been highly prescribed for a number of diseases. Its safety profiles are fantastic. People don't have an issue with um, prescribing it to even younger patients. So we know that clinically this drug is accessible, it's cheap, and uh, financially it would be possible. So what we're doing now is we approach a number of MSUD support group foundations. We're working with Jerry. We're working with actually uh, a company that works on rare diseases to uh, acquire funding that now we can test this drug in a more rigorous fashion in these mouse models and in patients. But that is an ongoing thing that we're making an attempt to get the money to do that. Arvind Ramanathan, senior author of the study in Nature Scientific Reports and a member of the Buck faculty. Arvind, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Danny. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The BioReport, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.